I can't breathe. I'm choking. The more I try to swallow, the more I can feel my throat close up. I gasp and try to gulp in air, but it doesn't work. I just cough and rasp for breath. I'm suffocating. Get some water, I can hear someone shout at me. Over there, over there in the trough. I spin around to see a trough full of muddy brown water. I dash over and greedily scoop up handfuls, slurping down the water as if my life depends on it, because it well might. At last I can breathe again, but I race back to the table where another square of dry damper is waiting for me. I have to get that down to move on to the next challenge. When I was first invited to take part in the Battle of the Green Hide Drovers Cook Iron Woman competition, I wasn't sure what it would entail. But you should do it, urged Sonia Cullen, events manager at Longreach's Australian Stockman's Hall of Fame. It's hard, but it'll be fun. Fun? This? I've had more fun in a waxing salon. We begin by lying in a swag, then, when the starting bill sounds, scramble out, roll it up, and I'm surprised to discover how heavy and cumbersome it is, and run to the trough of dirty water. There we splash the freezing water onto our faces, then race to the table of damper. Coughing and spluttering, we have to chew and swallow it, opening our mouths for the judge's inspection to make sure it has really gone down before we can move on to the next stage. But it seems if you're prepared to risk your life by swallowing some of the filthy water just to get the damper down, then the rules are the least of your problems. When finally I manage to swallow enough damper, I have to run off to pick up a hessian bag full of straw, which doubles as a sheep, sling it over my shoulder and then traverse a muddy dam to get it safely to the other side. I fall flat on my face in the mud almost as soon as I step into the dam. It's a struggle to get up again with my wet sheep now feeling more like it's stuffed with bricks. Then I go back to get another one. But I try to smile as I flounder my way through the race. After all, this is nothing compared to the discomforts the real drovers used to face every day in the outback. I know that now. I'm here at the 21st anniversary drovers reunion weekend to learn all about droving from the men who did it over a lifetime, pushing stock throughout the country, swimming them across treacherous crocodile-infested rivers and over some of the most desolate land to help make the outback and Australia what it is today. While I've heard so much about the outback, its luminous landscapes, the tough characters it breeds and the romance of its wide open spaces, so much a part of our national psyche, I've never really spent much time there. I've met some of its extraordinary people and written about how much they love living in some of the most remote areas of the country. I've been told firsthand how they've often had to overcome enormous challenges to survive in such incredible isolation, but I could never quite work out what they liked about the outback and why they stayed. I always wondered what stopped them from just upping sticks at the first sign of trouble and moving to the nearest city, where, let's be honest here, there were far easier jobs available, plenty of transport, good roads, neighbours next door rather than a three-hour drive away, neat quarter-acre blocks or even pleasant apartment buildings, the choice of thousands of people to socialise with, fresh food, 24-hour medical centres, nice cafes, hairdressers you didn't have to book weeks in advance for a quick trim, cinemas, ice cream, yet few ever did they'd shudder at the very thought. Instead, they invariably chose to stay in the outback, which always looked to me to have pretty much nothing there but dust and dirt and sand and flies and unbearable heat and hardship. But after having heard from so many people about how wondrous land outback is, I felt it was finally time to see it for myself. I had a few months spare from pressing work deadlines, so why not spend that time scouring the outback, battling the elements in search of the real heart of Australia? What is the outback? Where is it? Is it really worth preserving? And am I really up to the challenge of finding out? That perhaps was my greatest worry. After all, English-born, I've spent my whole life in cities. Even as an enthusiastic new Australian who's been here for over 20 years, 
I still really roam beyond cities' outer suburbs. The ridicule I faced a couple of years ago out in the bush after I excitedly called a newborn lamb a sheepling still burns. So even now, as a city slicker living in a high-rise apartment in Sydney's King's Cross, the most densely populated area of the country's biggest city, I know I'm perhaps not the ideal person to solve the mystery of the outback's appeal. Wide open spaces scare me. Far horizons just don't look right without skyscrapers. I thrive on noise, crowds, traffic, stress, 24-hour cafes and a supermarket three minutes away that stays open until midnight. What's more, I'm a vegetarian teetotaler with a slight gluten intolerance and an oversensitivity to caffeine. I know it's tough getting by in places where the traditional diet is often steak, damper, billy tea and oceans of beer. Turning up at cattle stations and asking for cheese in lieu of meat isn't the best way to guarantee a warm welcome, surprisingly.